broadcasting live from the R&R studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Uh, welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. Hey, just another reminder, um, Q, Myers, and myself will be at the Rockstar Bar and Grill on Sunday at 5 o'clock, hosting a little bit of a get-together. It's a, um, a tailgate party, if you want to call it that, uh, over at the Rockstar Bar starting at 5 o'clock, celebrating pro football back uh, pro football in Las Vegas with fans, um, you know, the big Monday night game at Allegiant Stadium on, on Monday night. Uh, we're going to have live music from uh, uh, Raiderhead Band, which is a Raider-centric uh, rock band. They're great. I can't wait uh, for you guys to hear them. We're going to have giveaways. We're giving away a pair of tickets to the Raiders-Ravens game on Monday night. There's going to be great drinks. There's going to be more giveaways. There's going to be great food. It's a chance for Q and I uh, to meet uh, the listeners of Raider Nation Radio any fans that are going to be coming into town uh, to watch the game on Monday night, any local fans that just want to come out and hang out. We're going to be watching the Bears and the Rams on the big screen TVs uh, and just enjoying the moment. And it's going to be our go-to spot the day before all Ra- uh, Raider home games. Typically, it's going to happen on Saturdays at 5 o'clock uh, when the Raiders are at home on Sundays. But obviously, it's a Monday night game, so we'll be at the Rockstar Bar and Grill starting at 5 o'clock Sunday. Bob Golick. The former Raider player will be joining us as well. So please, if you're in town, if you live here, come join us. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait to see uh, all of you guys uh, out there at the Rockstar Bar and Grill on Sunday. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Brought to you by Embajador Tequila, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line, Raider Nation Radio guest line, and bring in a good friend of mine from my days in Los Angeles, which is really just a suburb of Los Angeles. I've decided that. I've declared that. It is what it is. Los Angeles is a suburb, or or Las Vegas is a suburb of Los Angeles. It's all good. We're completely connected, and I feel that more and more every day. Uh, But I want to bring in my good friend Ted Sobel. He was a uh, radio personality, a reporter, uh, a great guy, a great friend uh, in in Los Angeles when I worked there for so many years. And he was just a guy that every place, I don't care what press box I was in, what game I was at, Ted was always there. Um, Ted, welcome to In the Huddle. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for spending some time with us today. Thanks, Vinny B. It's good to hear your voice again. And uh, and Vegas is just a suburb of L.A. You know, I have a story in my book where I know we're going to talk about touching greatness. Uh, the, the fact that I grew up in L.A. in the 60s, and we drove to Las Vegas, it seemed like every weekend, but it wasn't that often. In those days, it was a six-hour drive because it was a whole different story for the for the uh, highways and byways to get there. A lot of twists and turns just to get uh, across that uh, boundary over there. But it was uh, an unbelievable time. And uh, I miss Vegas. My mother lived there the last 40 years of her life. My brother still lives there. And uh, I wish I could go to your Raider parties. I'd be there every week. I appreciate that. And, yeah, you know, uh, Ted, since, since being here, um, I, you know, listen, when I was in Los Angeles, what I knew of Las Vegas was the strip and that was it. Come in for a couple yeah. of days, have some fun, uh, head back out of town. But it's just so much more than that. I'm delighted to have figured that out at this stage of my life. Uh, it was definitely a great move. And this is truly uh, a great place to raise a family. Uh, it's way more than just the strip, although that's always there for you. If you want to go get a great meal or see a great show, it, it's it's all there. But everything that they've done 
in and around the strip for families and communities uh, has been really spectacular. And I'm glad that I am uh, getting a chance uh, to taste that. But we're not here to talk about my move to Las Vegas. We're here to talk about Ted's book uh, called Touching Greatness. And um, it's it's a really easy concept. Ted worked for how many years? You want to you just drop that number uh, real okay, quick? Okay, well, I, I got my first... Uh uh, radio credential in 1973. There you go. So it's been a few years. Uh, you know, the, my, one of my first games I ever I ever worked was when Jerry West was still playing in his final year. So that'll tell you how far back that goes. Well, there you go. Uh, so he's been doing it for a long time, and yes. uh, touching greatness is basically uh, the t- it's the title of the book, and and the concept is the the the, the greatness that Ted Sobel. Uh, got to touch and brush shoulders with and get to know and work with and cover uh, all those years. And, you know, Ted, before we get into it, and I can't wait to talk to you about some of these things, you know, people sometimes ask, say to me, it's John Gruden, aren't you? Is that intimidating? Uh, hey, hold on a second. First of all, no, uh, great guy. And, you know, he's a character and that's fine. I like characters. But when you think about it, coming from Los Angeles, I mean, from Pat Riley to Tommy Lasorda to Phil Jackson uh, to Pete Carroll to, you know, uh, going back to, you know, some of the other UCLA coaches, Terry Donahue, uh, the, the athletes that we've dealt with there and the coaches and the personalities. No, it's not intimidating. You figure out fairly quickly that they are just human beings. But... There is a greatness element about some of them, at least. And that's what I always find fascinating um, and why I think this book is, can resonate so well is because there is greatness. And we'd be naive not to acknowledge that and not to appreciate it as well. I think what we do, in the, especially in the media, but maybe just in general in the public, people get caught up in you know having these idols and, wow, look what they've done in their lives, whether it's sports or music, entertainment, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But greatness is, is achieving something. It's usually because you got blinders on and you do whatever it takes to be the best you can be. And the ones who had the, maybe the strongest blinders, who never was, were looking anywhere but straight ahead and trying to, to be the absolute best, guys like Kobe Bryant and Tiger Woods, who I have chapters about in the book, those are the guys that get to a level that none of us could ever even imagine. That's true greatness to me. The rest is a little bit on the hype side. But you know what? If you're a professional athlete, you're pretty damn great because you've got to get to that level. The rest of us are only dreaming about it. So, uh, yes, I think people tend to put whomever on the pedestal. And in this case, uh, you know what? Just enjoy the ride. And one of the premises for the book is the fact that uh, the ones you do get sort of intimidated of, those are the guys that were girls from when you were growing up. Those were your boyhood idols. And to me, the Don Drysdales, the Bart Stars, the Elgin Baylors, those guys were somebody, a little intimidation there early on, because I wanted to meet them really bad, but right. that was as a kid, not as an adult. That's a whole different ballgame. Right, and, you know, when you mentioned Kobe and, and Tiger and, um, and, you know, and some of the other uh, personalities and athletes um, that, that you talk about in this book, uh, the the thing is, you saw this, I saw this. Um, it's not like we didn't see some of the flaws as well, and I, I and and I think that that is part of their story as well, and it makes some of their achievements even that more that much more noteworthy and to be appreciated because the flaws to me, Ted, um, and you might have a different outlook on this, but the flaws were what always reminded me that they're human beings as well. Absolutely. 
you know what? It's not just that, Vinny. I think, to me, uh, and I write about it in those specific chapters about Tiger and Kobe in Touching Greatness, just the fact that human element is a huge part of what their story is. It's not just, you know, how many home runs you hit or how many, uh, or, or how many majors you win or points you score. Uh, a lot of that, you know, the, the, the way those, some of these guys have fallen off the rail and had to come back in their careers for whatever reason, and often it's due to their own weaknesses in life. And I talk about all of that in the book. I'm, I'm not holding back at all. I, and, I, and it's not a rip story either. It's, these are just factual things. It's the Kobe and Shaq. I, I have a whole uh, several paragraphs on dealing with that era and why those guys didn't get along, because Kobe was a perfectionist and Shaq was the absolute opposite. He was just a, an unbelievable physical specimen who could basically dominate just by showing up. He didn't have to kill himself out there when Kobe did do whatever it took to be the best he could be, and he didn't like that, and eventually he didn't want any part of that. So uh, I talk all about that and Tigers uh, coming up, falling down, and coming back as well. I was lucky to cover his entire career and be there for that unbelievable last Masters championship. And that's a big part of the story. All right, so, uh, and we're talking to Ted Sobel, uh, a very good friend of mine and former colleague. He's still my colleague. I won't say former, a colleague of mine. (laughs) Right, exactly. baby, it starts Sunday. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) My colleague in Los Angeles uh, shared many, many, many Press boxes uh, with 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 Ted practice facilities and and studios. So um, you know we, we go way back and it's been a pleasure and an honor really, um, and and just a lot of fun uh, as well. And I I, I pinch myself. I'm sure you do at some of the things that we've been able uh, to see. Uh, but going back to 1973, here's a young Ted Sobel uh, who grew up idolizing people like Ted Williams and Don Drysdale and Elgin Baylor and you know all the names of the of that particular time. And, you know, at some point you have to cross that threshold of being a fan and being a media member. And we all have to do it uh, because all of us were basically sports fans growing up, I would think, anyway. Um, yeah. Did did you find that, uh, did it click easily for you and, and instantaneously? Um, I don't know if it was instantaneous, but, you know, I, I was able to do different things in the business. So as a stringer early on in the 70s, where I would just go and stick a microphone in front of an athlete's mouth and get a 12-second soundbite. I mean, that's not exactly brain surgery. So what you're doing is sort of learning on the job exactly what you want, what you need, the best way to get it. And some of these guys, you know, you didn't have a lot of interaction with them personally. It was mostly professional. So a lot of that didn't come into play. But when it was people like Don Drysdale and Elgin Baylor, who, who I, I either got to know or I was around as a younger guy, and then later working alongside them, some with them, that's when it, it totally changed because it was, a, it was like uh, just growing up, basically, and they were just people you knew. But it, when I looked at Don Drysdale, every time I was maybe at the same dinner table as him in a media dining room, uh, some of those kids' feelings came back, you know, because uh, when I was a little boy, I was basically, it was all Don Dries. I had number 53 written in my underwear, Vinny. I mean, <laughs> this, this guy, this, he meant everything to me as a kid, and now I was like, wow, now I'm just having dinner with him. So th- some of those feelings never went away, 
but uh, and I joked with him about it too, and that was that's the fun part, getting to know them. And you know, the best thing is when you get to meet your idol, and they're actually a good person, because it doesn't always work that way. And I was just gonna, know. yes, <laughs> and I was just going to ask you about that because uh, my memories of Don Drysdale, and I'll take myself back a little bit as well, yep. was uh, on KTLA TV Channel Five. They used to play the Twilight Zone. Uh, it was from 12 to 1 p.m., and it was summer afternoons. I would make a beeline back to the house to watch the Twilight Zone, two okay. Twilight Zone episodes. And the commercial always was the Don Drysdale pool commercial. I know you know which commercial I'm oh, talking sure. about. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought of that in a long time. Right, exactly. So, uh, you know, the cover and, you know. <laughs> so, I, and, and, and he, he just seemed like a genuinely nice guy. Now, I never got a chance to meet Don Drysdale. Uh, may his soul rest in peace. Uh, but you did. And this was a guy that you grew up idolizing. What was that experience like and did he live up to your expectations totally lived up to it and that was the greatest thing you know the the chapter on elgin baylor in the book is stalking him in a fun way because i was in high school and i got a chance to meet him the hard way and he ends up taking me to games while he was still a player with drysdale it was totally different it was just being a fan my father in 1968 i have a whole chapter on 1968 the year because it's the year of the pitcher it's the year that drysdale broke the scoreless inning streak and had six straight shutouts it's the year bob gibson was a 1.12 era i remember it like it was yesterday now i remember it like it's today because i wrote the damn chapter <laughs> but uh, bottom line is that Don was just as open and nice and friendly as you could ever imagine. And when I told him the stories of how I'm sitting in the first row uh, behind the Phillies dugout at Dodger Stadium the night he broke the scoreless inning streak because my dad made sure I was at that game when I was, I guess I was about 15 years old, and he wanted to hear that story. And how great is that? I mean, to me, it's like that meant so much, but to tell him why I was there and why it meant so much, and you see the gleam in his eye, that's what makes it really special. We're talking to Ted Sobel, uh, my good friend and colleague from Los Angeles, and he wrote a great book. It's called Touching Greatness, and it chronicles uh, Ted's long career um, in the media in Los Angeles and all the great athletes, coaches, personalities, uh, not just in sports but in entertainment, that he was able to literally interview, brush shoulders with, uh, get to know. Uh, there's a story in here I want to get. Oh, by the way, uh, if you can, if you can uh, quickly say where you could get it. I know Amazon Books uh, yeah. has it, but uh, if you could quickly give us a heads up on where we could go get the book. Sure. Well, Amazon is the place right now. It's not in bookstores yet because uh, uh, I, I got a smaller publisher, and that's a whole political thing that, <laughs> that I'm learning about in the book industry. Yep. But it's on Amazon. That's the most important thing and it's also at i'm recording the audio book right now not ready yet but that'll be at coach's choice and that's a plural c-o-a-c-h-e-s coacheschoice.com that's the publisher all right so you tell a story about wayne gretzky and my wayne gretzky story by the way is the day that the kings traded for wayne gretzky i was working yep. for the lakers in their public relations department i and remember you, it well Vinny. yes exactly <laughs> And um, and so we got word very early on that day that this was about ready to happen. And yeah. it was one of those ones where and Josh Rosenfeld, you know Josh, was, sure. the, was the PR director of the Lakers. And it was what you can't tell anybody, you know. So it was like, <laughs> imagine holding that in. 
now well, you probably couldn't do that today with Twitter. Exactly. Somebody exactly. Would have broke that story. Right. Exactly. So uh, very quickly, <laughs> when when it all came, when it all happened, remember the press conference out in Edmonton before he came out to Los Angeles and had the big uh, to do over. I think it was Stouffer's Hotel uh, over on Century Boulevard when when I he, was there. Yep. When he finally got there, but. Yep. Um, if you and picture the forum and how you know all offices you know kind of went in a big circle, sure. and if you walked the entire circle, every single <laughs> office that was open that had a television was tuned into that press conference. It was like echoing off the walls. That would have been a great picture, wouldn't it? Like a widescreen shot of that. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> we were stunned. It was Wayne Gretzky was coming to Los Angeles. It was just changed everything. Yes, unbelievable. But you have a great story in here about Wayne Gretzky helping you design a business card. Yeah, well, not exactly designing the business card. He helped me complete the design of the business card because what I wanted to do, and this is 1988, uh, it was was, uh, a card that I came up with. You can't even do this anymore, I'm sure, too. I got all four major sports to send me perfect black and white pictures of their of their championship trophies, and I wanted that on the my business card with my name and my phone number and my contact info. So I got all that, but in, but they didn't have digital stuff in those days. You couldn't just go to a printer and say, "Hey, could you shrink all four of these pictures down and put them on my bill?" They didn't even know how to do it. I'm not kidding. It was so expensive. Right. So anyway, I figured out finally how to get that done, and I thought uh, I was end- I ended up the night that Wayne Gretzky broke the all-time goal-scoring record at 802. Uh, he broke Gordie Howe's record. I talk about how I followed him the the game before. I was up in San Jose where he tied it, and then came back down and Gordy Howe is involved in that story as well and Gordy gave me some great stuff on that. Uh, it, it ended up that uh, I was the last guy in the locker room that night when, when Wayne broke the record and there, he said to me, he walks over to me I was waiting for Marty McSorley who gave him the assist pass on that by the way because Marty was always the last guy out of the locker room and I didn't have a deadline, I'm in radio so I was standing there and Wayne walks back in after all dealing with all the media and all the extra junk you do after you break a record he looks exhausted, he walks over he goes Ted, you're the only guy I didn't take a damn picture with, so he calls over the Kings photographer and we don't do those things, do we? No. We don't take pictures in locker rooms. Nope. But Wayne said it was okay, so it's like, okay, whatever. And we took the picture, and it came out so good. I showed it to him, and I said, you know what? This would look really great on the back of my business card. <laughs> and he said, well, let's do something about that. So then following season, uh, he hurt his back, and we didn't know if he was even going to play again. And during this period where he was at games sometimes and at home sometimes, I saw him during before a game, and I said, I, I brought the picture. Is there any chance we can do what we... He says, we'll do it between periods. So the second <laughs> intermission of just a regular game during the season, he takes me, he says, we're going to go downstairs and to the locker room, and he took me inside the room. I said, Wayne, I can't go inside this locker room during the game. I'm going to have my credential thrown. He goes, you're with me, Ted. Don't worry about it. <laughs> So the team just left. And you can imagine a superstar like this. And just, he's a super guy. You know, forget yes. the superstar stuff. Yes. Uh, he, he, was just, he was such a regular guy. And he says, come on in. And we spread out the pictures. He says, what do we want to do here? And he ended up writing down, my choice is Ted Sobel at Wayne Gretzky, 99. And it's um, him holding the puck with number 802 with me standing next to him. And uh, that went out. You know, I, was, I, was, I did 
professional hockey play-by-play for 10 years. So that I was trying to get an NHL job, so I said that thing with everybody, and they were all impressed. They never hired me, <laughs> but they were all impressed. Is, I just love that story. Yeah, that is a great story. Ted, we're running out of time. Uh, yeah. I could talk to you about this forever, so you've got a standing uh, invitation to come back on because I want to talk to you uh, about your experiences with old Las Vegas. I'm fascinated about it, uh, yeah. now living here, so uh, being around well, the rat. back era, baby. It doesn't get any better. Yes, exactly. So we're going to have you come back on on the show uh, in a little while, um, you know, especially uh, as this book starts uh, taking off, to talk yep. to you about more stuff. I I, I have to get uh, get to a break right here, uh, but thank you so much, Ted, for for um, for spending some time with us in the huddle. The book is touching greatness. You can go check it out on Amazon.com. Buy it; it's tremendous. It's got a lot of great stories. You just heard uh, one of them with Wayne Gretzky. Ted, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it, brother. Thank you, Vinny. We'll talk soon. Take care. All right, you too. That's Ted Sobel, uh, a great friend friend of mine, a uh, colleague out in Los Angeles, and um, it, it just hearing some of those stories brings back a lot of great memories, even for myself. Uh, so that was great. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by N. Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, in the huddle, and Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Oh, yeah. I like this song right here. That's the lead singer for The Temptations, right? Uh, this is the Tupac version. This is a hit him oh, up. Oh man! <laughs> I know what Lincoln. You just, you just, you just ran its things. <laughs> yeah, well, I like, you should have known. I like that one too, but I like, I like the, uh, I like, I like the original. Uh, yeah, that's a jam. Right the one there. they're sampling from. Got yes, it exactly. <laughs> We're gonna go back out to the Raider Nation listener line because Stoner Dude is on the line. How you doing, Stoner Dude? Hey, happy Raider home opener weekend in Las Vegas. You know what the beautiful thing about Vegas? It's always the weekend, too. It's it is. perpetual. It just keeps going. It is. Uh, <laughs> hey, um, you know, I, uh, uh, Link, Big Link, you know, I, I know up, where the uh, Angry Crab Shack is. It's right there off the Sunset near Green That's Valley right. Boulevard. Definitely check you guys out. It's in my hood. Appreciate it, man. Come on out. We're going to be doing the show tomorrow night. We'll be watching Thursday Night Football from there. And, you know, while I'm at it, I'll throw out the address, 4250 East Sunset Road in Henderson. Check out the Angry Crab Shack right in the corner. It's hard to miss. We'll be there right tomorrow. Right and, you know, and, uh, Lincoln, I, I've heard you assess recently on, on one of the shows this week that the Raiders have to still be aggressive on offense. we still got to score 28 points, 30 points. I mean, last yeah. year we scored 30 points and we lost by 32, yeah. you know. So yeah. that was obviously a problem, but the defense is not the same as last year. As a matter of fact, this is, I would say, on, I know they say on paper, right, right. the paper doesn't matter, but. This is the most talent we've had literally probably in the past 20 years since they went to the Super Bowl. You know, they had a top 10 defense for a little while there with Warren Sapp, Derek Burgess, and Tommy Kelly, but that was very short-lived, unfortunately. But we're not going to let Patrick Mahomes get that little split second to beat us at the end of the game or Ryan Fitzpatrick to throw a ball with his helmet sideways down, down the field. We have to avoid plays like that. Otherwise, we're in the playoffs last year. You know, but I'm excited about the season. Everybody is. It's a huge Raider weekend. And, Vinny, as you've already mentioned, and I will mention along with you, this Sunday at the Rockstar Bar, 
my band Raiderhead, and thank you, Vinny, for your help and support Absolutely. your crew. Hey, I got your Lincoln. email. I got your email. Uh, so don't think that I wasn't uh, thinking about you or uh, or anything like that. So thank you very much for that. I know you're a busy dude, man, and I truly appreciate, like I said, your help and support. But yes, this Sunday we're all going to be partying at five o'clock on the dot. The band kicks off, fires up the crowd. We're going to have fun with Raider fans from all over the country, all over the world. I'm really looking forward to it. Likewise. Thank you, Stoner, dude. Really appreciate it. Uh, Back out to the Raider Nation uh, listener line. Raider Earn is on the line. How you doing, Raider Earn? Oh, Ramalama Ding Dong. No more Ramalama. Oh, I like that. Long-term listener. Long-term listener. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. And I want to say good job, man. Love Raider Nation Radio. We listen to it every day. I want to say what's up to Lincoln. Good job on that bike. Appreciate it, bro. It was tremendous. Uh, That was a great show on the darker side of football. I love that. Um, I just want to say a shout-out to my guys, Raider Nation. Uh, We got the SoCal Raider Report. I want you guys to know uh, people in L.A. still really love the Raiders. I know you guys saw that Mm -hmm. uh, when the Raiders played at home at uh, at SoFi. But I want to ask you, Vinny. Yes. I, want to, I know you really have been defending uh, Mike Mayock a lot, but I want mm-hmm. to see uh, what's your comparison between him and, uh, you know, what the last GM did. Uh, you know, what, what uh, what's his name? Uh, Raleigh McKenzie. Oh, Re- uh, Reggie McKenzie. Reggie McKenzie, yes. Mr. McKenzie. You know, Mr. McKenzie had some good drafts, and I don't remember him ever trading off. And I'm not being critical of Mike Mayock, but I'm just saying I don't remember us trading third-round, second-round picks or just dropping them the next season under uh, Mr. McKenzie. What do you think? Well, I'll say this about uh, Mr. McKenzie. It, it, it when, by the time I got covering, you know, got here covering the Raiders, there weren't a whole lot of players that were left over for any any of those draft classes. I know, obviously, uh, Amari Cooper, um, you know, uh, and, and Khalil Mack got traded, so those were the two signature picks um, uh, of that tenure. And I want to say, did he draft Derek Carr? Um, I yes. think he drafted Derek yes, Carr. He did. I think mm-hmm. he was there when when Carr got yeah. drafted. Uh, so. You know, there were some top-heavy players, but throughout, uh, he didn't do a very good job of uh, of throughout the drafts. There were a lot of guys that came and went, so you have to take a look uh, at that. But I'm not here to bash uh, McKenzie, and in terms of Mike Mayock, time will tell. I just think that it's been so quick. Like, you can't – it's hard to judge three drafts in three years, um, especially – and, and – and, I think that some of the misses get magnified, whereas some of the hits uh, get swept under the rug a little bit. So my advice is just let it play out. Uh, Time will tell. And I think we're going to find out pretty quickly. I think this is a pivotal year because I think that 2019 draft class, uh, which I feel like is kind of taking control of this team and the heart and the soul of this team as the foundation, and that 2020 class with Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards uh, and, and possibly Damon Arnett, taking step forwards. If, if, if that happens, then the whole narrative, Lincoln, changes about, about Mike Mayock. But my point is it's still too early to tell. It has to kind of all come together. And it's not just the draft picks. It's who you also bring in as free agents, trades, um, you know, undrafted free agents. You have to look at the, totalita- the totality uh, of the piece, body of work. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, and the thing is, you know, for, for Mayock um, and this, this, I guess, the staff, most of the misses has come at the free agent market. 
Uh, that that that's where most of the misses have uh, come for them. I mean, it hasn't turned out as well as they would like. I mean, we were just talking about Corey Littleton mm-hmm. earlier in the show, and you know how he struggled last year. Well, people were probably scratching their head. Why we make such a big deal and go out and get this guy? If right, he's, right. He's struggling. So yeah, you're right. The thing is, I think people need to remember is that when a coach takes over, more times than not, he's going to get rid of guys that aren't his guys. More times than not, it's going to be a turnover. It's going to be a change. and It's not something that stares out. I mean, if you remember when Gruden got the job, there were a lot of people in the media who were questioning whether or not he could get along with Derek Carr. Right. And, it, and, and was this going to be our harmonious uh, type of relationship? And it, it seemed like the, the, for the first year, for, you know, at times it seemed like they were knocking heads. You, you would watch uh, Carr walk over the sideline, talk to Gruden. He had that squirm on his face and, you know, just looking all bent out of shape and stuff like that. It wasn't going – but – you know, Gruden believed in him. He stuck with them, and now they're you know they're much better. They're productive, but even that production doesn't always translate to wins. So you had to get help. So that's why he went out and got Gus Bradley. That's why they made the changes they made on defense, and uh, and you know we'll see how it pays off. But everybody wants to win now. That's why everybody in the nation is hungry. They want to win right now. Yeah, and I understand that. We understand that, but sometimes it takes a little time. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. There's it's, no doubt. That's just the reality of the yeah. situation. Um, and and so you, you have to live with that. And this is though, I to me, a big year. And I think that John Gruden and Mike Mayock understand uh, what's at stake. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Anthony is on the line. Wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Anthony? What's up, fellas? What's happening? Digging the show, man. Hey, so I just want to get into this real quick. Uh, everybody's talking, everybody on, you know, you know, mainstream media talking about how the Chargers and the Broncos going to just, you know, put put the, put the smack down on us and all this. So what I'm calling about is, you know, Gus Bradley came in, brought in Gus Bradley guys. Uh, we got dudes on the line. We got Joe McCoy on the line. We got uh, – now we have KJ Wright, beast. Uh, we have uh, Hayward back in the in the back secondary, and we got um, that other linebacker that worked for the Chargers. Perryman, uh, Denzel Perryman. Right Perryman. So we're just being smoked on hard, and Raider Nation's all mad about it, you know. But we always get smoked on. Nobody ever gives us credit. Nobody ever gives us the time of day. But with all those veterans in all those positions, all these young guys at every level are now going to know, hey, this is where i got to be and stuff. So nobody's really paying attention to that. And personally, I'm 38 years old, so I'm used to being smoked on, you know, because that's all we pretty much ever got since I was born. Last year I was uh, – well, the year I was born is the year we won the Super Bowl, and I was born into this, so unfortunately, you know, you know, it is what it is. But you know what? I can't wait until the whole world, as Josh Jacobs will say, we're going to show the world, boys. <laughs> we're going to show the world because the Raider Nation – uh, the reason that we get hated on is because people fear what they don't understand. And there's no other fan base like this fan base, and there's no other team that can be as resilient and deal with as much punishment and as much pain as we've dealt with and come back. And you watch. You watch. I, I'm going to call it right now. We beat the Kansas City Chiefs twice, both times, at home, especially at home with, with our fans there. And on the road, we're going to do it with a better defense. Our defense will be hopefully in the high teens. And you watch Derek Carr and you watch Hunter Renfro and you watch Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs ball out. And then, and then let's see what, uh, you know, Max Kellerman has to say and Stephen A. Smith has to say. And, you know, if you're a Raider fan, you don't really listen to that anyway because if you do, it just makes you mad. 
Well, yeah, so, you, you and you know Max Kellerman's a good friend of mine. So listen to Max; he's a good guy. Um, but you know they're going to do what they're going to do, and they're going to have their observations. And uh, it's neither here nor there. At the end of the day, I look at the Raider defense, Lincoln, and I thought they made improvements on the defensive line, like multiple improvements. Not not just with guys you're going. Ah, I wonder if they can do guys who have done it in the past, proven veterans on the defensive line at linebacker. And in the secondary, so um, it's it's hard for me to believe Lincoln that this defense isn't going to be better. And you know, throwing in also Gus Bradley and his staff, it's it's impossible to me, Lincoln, that this defense isn't going to be better. To me, the question is, how much better is it going to be? Well, like like we talked about extensively, you don't have to be a lights out defense. You know, wishful thinking if say they're the eighty five Bears or the two thousand Ravens. I mean, that's wishful thinking if you think we're going to be that productive. But even a middle of the rung defense is going to be better with the the potency of the offense, especially things click and come together. I think that you know one thing that would aid the defense and their ability to do their job is if you if you go out there and score touchdowns. You know, and you're not going to – it's just like, for example, you're not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs kicking field goals. Right. So you got to score touchdowns. And you make it hard on opposing teams to either try to keep up or catch up. And that that makes you one-sided. It makes you one-dimensional. That plays into the defense's hands. You know, it's much like in Golden State in their heyday because they would rain threes down on everybody. If you weren't shooting threes, you were falling behind. So then now everybody had to change their game to where they're shooting threes or as, as many just to try to keep pace. The same thing is if this offense is as potent as it's been in the past – and collectively, if they can just put the points on the board, they're going to make it hard on opposing offenses and make them one-dimensional. That that just plays into your hands. Yes, sir. Mitch is in New Jersey. How you doing, Mitch? Mitch, do we got you? Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Eddie is in L.A. How you doing, Eddie? Good. How you doing, Vinny? How you doing, Big Link? What's happening, man? You know, yeah, uh, I keep saying this, but I don't know when Raider fans are going to get it. If we're waiting for national recognition, we're never going to get it. That's just why we're Raider fans. We're Raider fans because people don't understand us. People don't get why we still support and lose in franchise for so many years because we're loyal. So if you're looking for validation on the West Coast, East Coast media, it's just never going to be there. Okay, It's just like uh, Vinny said earlier. What we did last year is irrelevant. Why, why would we want them to start talking and all of a sudden be pegging us to win the division when last year we our record was was what we were we we they don't they talk as in projections right projections of what they did last year other teams are projected to do better because of how they did last year we didn't we have to go out there and prove it we will i'm more than confident that this team will do it but if we're going to sit there and wait to get media we're not going to get that that's just never been a matter of I'll, I'll say this, Eddie, um, and, and thanks for the call. Always appreciate uh, uh, what you bring uh, to the table. But I do think that um, if the Raiders succeed, if the Raiders turn the corner, if the Raiders uh, win games, a bunch of games, and get to the playoffs, I think people are going to be fired up about the Raiders. I think that there's uh, – I know people uh, in the media, not just here but elsewhere, and the, the league, Lincoln, is better – when the Raiders are relevant and good. And, Absolutely. And there's nobody in the media that doesn't understand that. And I think also uh, it has a chance to be a, uh, a great story as well because of John Gruden. Um, the John Gruden factor of if it goes down this road, if he's able to get this thing turned around and get the Raiders to the playoffs and get them to be a relevant program uh, and, and, and win big and maybe win some that goes pretty far because then people are going to start looking at it this way. Not John Gruden in terms of not getting it done 
on his return back, but John Gruden coming back and getting it done. And I think that that's going to also give people a chance, almost force them to take it to, to, to look into everything that he had to go through on the second turn. This was a bad roster. It was poorly managed in terms of the salary cap. They were getting ready to move. A pandemic hit. <laughs> um, lots. The, the salary cap went down to $180 million. It's never gone down. And it went down to $180 million uh, th- this past year for the first time ever. There were a lot of obstacles that were put in the way it, on top of some of the Raider problems and mistakes and issues that they had leading into him coming back. It was a difficult challenge, a difficult job. If he gets that turned around and people retroactively start looking into the whole process, they're going to find out, Lincoln, that it was a it was way more difficult than people are giving it credit for. Well, I mean, John has a lot to prove, you know, not only to the just Raider Nation, but just people in general who have doubted him. I mean, the fact is that he, he carried a moniker when he was in Tampa Bay that he didn't win with his team. It was it was uh, it was Tony Dungy's team that beat us in the Super Bowl. It was that, and so he was he's been trying to escape that as well as you know getting a ten year contract and money, and everything else. But the, the the most valid point that you made, and I absolutely agree, the NFL is healthy when the Raiders are relevant. Yep, it's ju- it just is. There are certain organizations across the board. That will get will get noticed, will get recognition, will get talked about, and the Raiders are one of them. Just like the Dallas Cowboys, every year, good, bad, or indifferent, you're going to talk about the Dallas Dallas Cowboys at nauseum. The Raiders are the same way, good, bad, or indifferent. The Lakers in basketball, the Celtics in basketball, the Yankees. I mean, the big name, premier, iconic franchises are when they're relevant. It's healthy for those leagues, and that's what so many people have been banking on, especially the last couple of years with the start that the Raiders have come out with, the way they've started the season. I mean, you know, upsetting Kansas City in Kansas City. That was big. That was national media. That was national attention for quite some time, giving Kansas City that loss. You know, and then, then they talk about how they, how they finished. Then everybody wants to call for heads and blood and stuff like that. So I agree with you. The, the, the NFL is healthy when the Raiders are relevant. And I also think that John Gruden, for, for whatever reason, is kind of a target. Um, you know, I appreciate him because – uh, he's a character. I like characters. I like people that have actual personality that aren't cookie cutter. That aren't the, you know up there giving you the the uh, the computer answer. Uh, somebody that's going to show their emotions. Somebody that's going to uh, be funny. That's going to have some kind of uh, some characteristics and some character characteristics. And I, I even told him when I was when I uh, talked to him the other day. I, you know, it's ironic when he came into when he first started become you know the writer's job. You know, what was he? Thirty three years old. Thirty four mm-hmm. years old. He he was mm-hmm. cutting edge. He was innovative. Uh, he was on the cusp. He was the new young thing. I go now. You're a dinosaur, according to some people. And it's and and there's nothing about the Raiders right now, Lincoln. I'm going to say this flat out. That isn't on the cusp. That isn't cutting edge. That isn't taking advantage of every new technology, every new um, analytic, everything. It's he's still driving that and trying to always stay a step ahead of the posse. The whole this whole nonsense that he's that the game has passed him by, or he's you know a guy that just loves veterans, or a guy that just loves it his way. It's there's nothing could be further from the truth. He's always pushing the envelope, and he truly is. And I just think it's funny that people that you know just because you've been here long enough or you age now he's fifty eight years old that you forget about 
hey, it wasn't long ago that he was the hot young uh, thing in town, the guy that was, you know, coming up with uh, new innovative ideas. Uh, so, and, and he's a target. He went on television and he made commercials and he was Chucky. And sometimes that rubs people the wrong way uh, as well. And, you, and you, you find yourself, or some people do, rooting against the guy for that reason. So uh, for a lot of reasons, though, Lincoln, um, and, and Rodney, hang on, because we're going to get to you after the break. But for a lot of reasons, if this succeeds, if, if Gruden succeeds in his second tenure here with the Raiders, um, after everything that they've had to go through, I think it's going to be a great story, and I think people are going to recognize that. So um, it's the, the story is not complete yet. The book's not complete yet, uh, and we'll see where it goes from here. But if it goes in a good direction, to me, Lincoln, it's going to be a great story. Well, I think I agree with you. I agree with you. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Couple of quick re- the herd in sport. Couple of quick reminders. Uh, Lincoln and I are going to be at the uh, Angry Crab Shack. That's Lincoln's restaurant. Uh, over at tomorrow uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. over at 4250 East Sunset Road uh, in Henderson. So come out, come, uh, out there with us, uh, celebrate the start of the football season. Dallas Cowboys against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I cannot wait. And then on Sunday, Q Myers uh, and myself, Vinny B, will be at uh, the Rockstar Bar and Grill over on Las Vegas Boulevard. Uh, the Nation Block Party. Um, we're going to be giving away tickets to the Raiders against the Ravens. There's going to be great music uh, from Raiderhead. Uh, lots of food, lots of drinks. Uh, so tomorrow, uh, Angry Crab Shack and Sunday at the Rockstar Bar. Uh, Lincoln, can't wait uh, to see you and uh, celebrate your new restaurant and celebrate the kickoff of the NFL season. Season. Rodney is on the line, wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Rodney? Yes. Hello? Yep, we got you, Rodney. Oh, yeah. Um, the reason we're possibly getting rid of draft picks is because we're getting better players. Hello! Uh, as well. And or maybe they're not a great fit or their athletic ability is not translating into the NFL. Also in Vegas with the young guys, maybe they're getting too much in the – Vegas scene, and the coaches are like, oh, we're going to kick rocks with this guy before it gets out of control. Well, the other thing is, yeah. we're fans. Like, I listen to you, Vinny, the other, the beat writers are actually watching practice. We're fans. We don't know. We're not seeing what the coaches see. We're not seeing what the players see. Lincoln Ken says, coaches coach, players play. Fans, we just need to be fans and let the coaches do their thing. Yeah. Chucky and got, go ahead. Got 10 years. Chucky got 10 years because he knew it was going to take a while to get things rolling and now it's starting to roll i think and in Chucky, we trust most of us wanted him a few didn't but you gotta let you gotta let it roll yeah and that's what the 10-year contract was all about giving him the necessary runway uh to create sustained success not just fleeting success so uh, we'll see if it works out but uh that was what that was all about and i can i can tell you this uh in 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 tanner muse's regard it wasn't what was going on in las vegas lincoln hit the nail on the head it was a numbers game uh they you only have 53 roster spots you had to make a move to get kj Wright uh onto the team Uh, a lot another linebacker was going to go that's just the life of uh, of of professional football sometimes uh tanner muse 
had to get waived. And the hope was that he was going to clear waivers and they were going to sign him right back onto the practice squad. He did clear waivers. It just so happens that the Seattle Seahawks, with four linebackers on their roster, offered him a spot uh, on the practice squad and a better opportunity to come in there and compete now uh, to maybe get back onto the 53-man roster quicker than might have happened here in Las Vegas. So it wasn't, you know, I don't think anyone's writing the book off on on, on Tanner Muse. Um I don't think that it was a wasted draft pick necessarily. They just brought in a better player in K.J. Wright, and somebody had to go, and it was a calculated risk that they didn't win. The Seattle Seahawks got Tanner Muse, but that's the way it works sometimes. Uh, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line one more time. Uh, Guareb is on the line. How you doing, Guareb? Hey, how you guys doing? Doing really good. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm close. You know, I'm, I'm just looking at this game, and I'm thinking to myself, I think I, I don't know. I, I got this feeling that that the uh, that the Raiders aren't going to beat the Ravens. I, I got I just see that the Ravens are looking at this game, seeing that they got the Chiefs the following week. I just can't see the Ravens losing to the Raiders and going most likely play the Chiefs. And I know they're probably going to end up losing to the Chiefs. So losing two games. So I think the Raiders have to take the brunt of this. And, but I think I got this one. feeling they're going to lose this game. All right. Well, um, I hear you, and that could very well happen. Uh, the Ravens are are definitely uh, favored in this game, but you know, I think I think that there's a path there uh, for for a victory, uh, Lincoln. I think the Raiders' offense is going to score points on this defense, and I think this defense, this Raiders' defense. Um, I think it's just going to play better than the defense uh, out there last year. I think there's going to be turnovers that they're going to force. I think there's going to be more pressure on the quarterback. I'm really fascinated, Lincoln, to see what kind of an effect Unique Ngakwe uh, has on this defense. Guys like that, Lincoln, tend to change the dynamic of things uh, of a defense when you can rush the passer the way that guy can. Yeah, if you can force them into passing situations, but you can't give up big chunks. Of yards on the run game, you know, you know, you want to you want to have them in, in third, medium to long, if anything. Um, so you got to be successful on the first down uh, with defensively, and more importantly, you got to be able to contain the run because, as as we already know, Lamar Jackson's a game changer. Yeah, and I detect. A little bit of concern uh, in that regard for for you. Um, you're still kind of um, got. Well, see- last year the poor it was porous on the outside. The stretch runs killed the defense. Yeah, and I don't know if they answered that. I mean, I I really with the starters and we've seen what you know the Rams had success running the ball to the outside. That that you know that's that doesn't bode well for you when you're trying to assess what what are you going to look at and you're not seeing your starters. Right. Yeah, definitely not the starters out there. And I think the vanilla scheme that they were probably running yeah. uh, probably did, but. Like you said, it, it has to happen, right. and uh, they can't have those same issues um, on on Monday against the uh, against the Ravens again. That would set a bad beginning standard. Uh, you don't want to delve back into old habits, the kind of habits that that uh, hurt you last Certainly. year. Uh, Lincoln, thank you so much. I will see you tomorrow see at you tomorrow, the Angry man. Crab right. Shack. Thanks to Devon Cotton, our great producer. Thanks to all the callers. Uh, you guys brought it. Thanks to my good friend Ted Sobel. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster and Lincoln Kennedy. Brought to you by Tequila in Bajura Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Check you guys out tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. at the Angry Crab Shack in Henderson.